When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. My name is Ellis Williams. We're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon from our Cleveland studio. I'm joined by fellow Browns beat writer, Mary Kay Cabot. Mary Kay, how you doing today? I'm doing great. Just uh, trying to survive the corona madness and, uh, you know, just kind of try to have it be business as usual. How are you doing? Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Meanwhile, on the outside, sporting events are getting canceled. Everyone's being told to stay home. It, it's quite surreal, but we're here to do a podcast, so... Let's get to that. Um, we're going to break down the big topics, topics of the week for you, starting first with Christian Kirksey. He's gone from the Browns. You know, it's been a bit of a slower week in the NFL, but that didn't stop the Browns from making the news, of course. As I said, on Tuesday, Cleveland announced they were releasing Christian Kirksey after six seasons here. Kirksey was a third-round pick in the 2014 draft, but he's only played nine games over the past two seasons. So Mary Kay, you know, first it was Joe Schobert, and now it's Christian Kirksey gone. How did we get to this point with Kirksey over the past few days between his negotiations with the Cleveland Browns? Well, I think when you look back to the torn peck last year that happened in week two, it required surgery. He missed the last 14 games of the season. And when that happened, I think uh, most of us thought, oh, this could have been Christian Kirksey's last game in a Browns uniform. That was sort of the reigning thought. Um, I actually would have been surprised if he had come back. And if he had done so, he would have had to take a pay cut to do that. Now, they did want to re-sign him. They do feel that he has value. They just did not want to pay him the $7.75 million he's due this year. He's also under contract for $8.25 next year. So it's not that they didn't want him. They recognize his value on and off the field, team leader, great in the community. Uh, but right now, once again, keep remembering, it's right player at right price for the Cleveland Browns. They will be judicious. This wasn't a fit for them. Yeah, and that's really what we've been talking about with Christian Kirksey all along was the talent is there, the health hadn't been, and then the number had to make sense. And whether it's Joe Schobert or now Kirksey, that seems to be the situation. Mary Kay, have you you heard anything? Have you learned anything about the interest in Kirksey around the NFL? Does it seem like this is a guy who's going to be signed and has suitors? Yeah, I think so. And the good thing for Christian Kirksey is that he got a jump on free agency. And sometimes that really, really helps a guy. Now, as of yesterday, he already had three visits set up. I was told that that was just the sort of the tip of the iceberg in the interest in him. And uh, I heard that one of those teams was the Raiders uh, that, that he was visiting. So I think he will probably be signed fairly quickly 
And, you know, he might want to grab a spot before Monday hits because, as we all know, on Monday, legal tampering begins. And what does that mean? It means that teams and agents or agents and, uh, yeah, agents and teams are allowed to work out the parameters of a deal with a player. And they, they can't sign it. They can't actually come to an agreement, but they can start talking uh, to a guy. And a lot of times they actually... Uh, wind up getting the deals, you know, pseudo yep. done in yep. those first three days of, of legal tampering. So I think it would behoove Christian Kirksey uh, to get the best deal that he can over the next few days. Now, again, what is that? Sometimes you can make way more on the open market than you could with your previous team. Completely. Just because the Browns didn't want to pay him 7.75 doesn't mean that someone else won't. If someone thinks he's healthy, he could hit the jackpot. Yeah, so Mary Kay... Um, You've, of course, been covering Kirksey's entire career. You understand where the Browns are now, where they want to go. Uh, just from a, a roster standpoint, an analysis standpoint, what's your gut tell you? Do you think the Browns made the right move here, letting go of Christian Kirksey? Well, once again, I, ideally, if they could have gotten him back uh, at a reduced, at, you know, if he had taken the pay cut, then I think that would have been the best of both worlds for everyone. But I think even he needed a change of scenery. Sure. I think that it was time for him uh, to maybe go somewhere where he can win, maybe not start all over again with yet another defensive coordinator, another head coach. Sometimes it is just time to move on. And this was the opportunity for him to do that, even though he always wanted to be here you know, when the turnaround happened. And he always felt it was just around the corner. Yeah. And that was one of the things that you had to love about Christian Kirksey. He was optimistic. He was so all about Cleveland and about this team. And it didn't matter the craziness, the insanity that, that ensued the whole time he was here. He wanted to be here. He wanted to finish his career here. Uh, so I think this is a great opportunity for him. Hopefully for him, he won't go somewhere, you know, where it goes in the wrong direction. And then all of a sudden the Browns start winning because that would be unfortunate for, for him if he ended up in a place that wasn't winning and when the Browns start winning. So, um, you know, I think it's going to turn out the best for both sides, especially if Christian uh, has some of that joy that I've seen some other guys have when they leave here. Yeah. It, last week I shared my one and only Christian Kirksey story. It was not <laughs> knowing or understanding that he was the, the dog check guy. I, I, I got here in week two and hadn't had an opportunity to meet Christian or even, you know, see him in an open locker room setting because he, of course, was hurt in the first week. So what I want to ask you next, Mary Kay, is with Kirksey leaving and then Joe Schobert, as you've reported, likely not returning. How do you think Browns fans should be feeling so far about this new regime? Look, I think it's completely unfair to judge them before this whole offseason is over. In fact, before even the preseason begins, this roster has a lot of work and it's completely unfair to say, hey, if the Browns started today, their only line, their starting linebackers would be Mac Wilson and Taki Taki. Again, it's an unfair argument. But from what I've gathered from talking with fans, sourcing Browns Twitter, all these types of things, Kirksey and Joe Schobert were two real fan favorites for not only how they played on the field, but who they were in the community and how they carried themselves. Do you understand where Browns fans are coming from when they, they, they see these two, I don't know if you can call them big moves, but really just cap-saving moves, but parting ways with fan favorites? Do you, under, do you see where that's coming from, and is there a sense that maybe this organization hasn't taken into account what these 
two players meant in the locker room. No, they know exactly what these two players meant in the locker room. Andrew Barry was here for these guys. Andrew Barry was here for the drafting of Joe Schobert. He was also here uh, when the Browns under Sashi Brown signed Christian Kirksey to a new four-year extension worth $38 million, $20 million guaranteed. He understands these guys. He knows these guys very, very well. So it's it's not that. This is business. Yeah. You know, this is business. And they're turning over the linebacking core. And I, I think you'll see it turn over even more. We don't know for sure if, if Sione Takitaki yeah. is going to step in and be a starting linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. This regime doesn't have any loyal to, to loyalty to him. If they find somebody that they like better, uh, they will upgrade that position. So, no, I, I don't think uh, that this was a situation where, you know, they didn't take into account how the fans feel about these guys. You can never... You can never run your business or your football team uh, by how the fans feel about things. I mean, you just can't do it that way. And they won't do it that way. They're going to do it by uh, analytics. will play a a large role in these decisions. And good old-fashioned talent evaluating, uh, capology, and all of those sorts of things. So these were, in part, financial decisions. Uh, They're, you know, sometimes age, injury decisions. Uh, as far as Joe Schobert is concerned, yeah, they would have liked to have him back too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows? Even though I've been told there's zero chance that he's coming back here because he had already he knew when, when he was at the combine that he could get ten to eleven million dollars a year at least out on the open market. That was what the market was bearing at that time. Now, if for some reason it doesn't work out that way, you know, things can change in free agency. And you can never say never. Yep. But the way that it seems to be shaping up is there were already three or four teams willing to pay him that much. He's one of the biggest names on the free agent market. Yep. And he's a very sound, solid linebacker. And and I think, you know, there's just not a lot of guys out there like that. So once again, it's right player, right price. They just didn't want to pay him a minimum of 10 to 11 that he can get out on the open market. Yeah. And I think that's where fans land differently with this and maybe awkwardly on this situation, because two things I want to mention that you said there, Mary Kay, you mentioned analytics. So then fans will be like, Oh, you know, this is a decision based on solely numbers and not who the person is, which that's fine. But that's also just another way of saying this is business. I think in the NFL and really in major sports in general, you have the player side and the team side, of course, and you can't, you know, look down on these players for going to get the biggest payday they possibly can get because who knows how long they'll be able to command big contracts like that. And on the other side, you can't blame the Browns' new regime for wanting to reshake that linebacker room. What I find interesting in the situation is that, like you said, with Joe Schobert being one of the bigger names in linebacking free agency, the Browns are in a situation where they need linebackers, but also the two that they let go will now be two of the top, I don't know, seven, eight, nine linebackers in this class with Schober being towards the top. And depending on Kirksey's health, he, he can be towards the top too. So again, like you said, I just think it lands with timing and situation and really a change of scenery, which why these two sides couldn't meet. Yeah, and, um, and, and you're right about that. The thing about free agency, a lot of times, and I don't know what the analytics are on this, but a lot of times... Uh, those players don't go on to have tremendous success with their next teams. Right, right. Sometimes they do. But generally, there's a reason a guy is hitting the free agent market. Yep. Again, sometimes not. We've seen 
some wide receivers like Amari Cooper go on to have tremendous success with their next teams. Sure. Uh, we've seen some cornerbacks go on to have tremendous success with their next teams. But a lot of times you hit the free agent market because your previous team didn't feel that you were worth that kind of money. Yeah, yeah. And really that it, free agency in a way is a really inefficient way to build your team. You're mm-hmm. paying top dollar to get that player. It, Jamie Collins comes to mind. Right. You know, a Patriot. Cleveland pays him and then, you know, <laughs> the right. Patriots can get him back at, a, right. at the number that, that they didn't have to pay him at. Right. Um, so I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. And with cap guys, smart guys like the Browns have brought in, you see why paying top dollar for linebacker spots aren't where they do it and where they probably will rather do that is on the offensive line. Yeah, the the offensive line will definitely be a priority. But if you look at the way the Patriots do this, as you, as you mentioned, they'll wait until that you know first kind of crazy wave right, of high spending, um, for the most part, goes by the wayside. And then they find role players mm-hmm. after that. Uh, they will find a guy that you can plug in to do something uh, very key for you at at the right price, at a, probably in some cases a minimum price. Yep. So those are the kinds of things that, that some of these smarter teams know how to do. Yeah. And I think that, that Andrew Barry is going to be extremely smart in how he spends the money. Mary Kay, that's a great point because you find efficiencies in paying top dollar in free agency, but the teams that can find those middle ground players and convert them into fulfilling their full potential is where you, you strike gold. Uh, Zadarius Smith of the Green Bay Packers comes to mind this previous season uh, in the running for defensive player of the year. He was, I don't want to call him an afterthought in Baltimore, but he was more of a role player there who couldn't find his spot. The pr- Packers bring him in at what at the time was a higher number, but then he completely outplays his contract mm-hmm. and grows into one of the better defensive players in the league. And that's something both Barry and Stefanski and really Joe Woods on the defense, of course, will be looking at to maximize free agency here. Absolutely. And I mean, even when you look at uh, the Patriots, you know, they'll take a guy like Danny Shelton that, you know, that he just really didn't live up to his first round status with the Browns, but they, they found a role for him yep. and they paid him an amount of money that they were comfortable with. Yep. They did that with a lot of guys. I mean, they brought Jason McCourty back there. Uh, so it's funny because teams will uh, take br- former Browns first <laughs> round picks right. and kind of turn them into something and yep. get a little bit more out of them. Yep. And, uh, you know, and that's why you see the camera rings and some of these guys, you know, sure. end up elsewhere and actually contributing to another football team. So uh, I think that's what we're going to see a little bit more of here. I don't necessarily think you're going to see Andrew Barry go out and pay top dollar for six free agents right. and go all gaga over these guys and spend like crazy. It's going to be smart. I think he'll try to make some trades. Uh, and I think they'll look for some role players, and it'll be very interesting to see how they approach it. Yeah, Mary Kay, I couldn't agree more. Too often have the Browns' trash turned into other teams' treasures, and Andrew Barry will try to flip that mm-hmm. going yes. forward. Um, like we did last week with Joe Shorebird, I don't I, I don't want to turn this into an in-memoriam thing, but it really does turn into that when I ask you this. As I said, you've spent um, a long time covering Christian Kirksey's entire career. Any any stories, any memories you have with Christian Kirksey as it, it seems like his time and your time covering him with the Browns comes to an end here? Yes, actually I do have a, a thought about Christian Kirksey. Christian Kirksey and I, um, you know, we've spent the past six years working together on a professional basis, and there have been a few times where he has 
disagreed with some of the things that I've written about other players. And so he and I have kind of clashed on those things a little bit. And we've actually had to ha- talk it through. We've had yeah. to have conversations about those things. And two of those things, he's very, very fiercely protective of his teammates, which he should be. And I'm very, I respect that. And yep. I'm very proud of him for standing up for his teammates like that. But a couple of things that we did not see eye to eye on. When Johnny Manziel was basically the train wreck that he was, I had to chronicle that. Yep. I had no choice. Actually, basically the first two weeks that Johnny was here in Cleveland, I knew that he had serious, serious issues. I just knew it. I know the signs. I could tell uh, that he had problems. Yep. You know, and I, I suspected they were, you know, substance abuse, alcohol, whatever. He had issues. Uh, and, you know, we saw that kind of play out over the years, obviously. And, you know, I had to write, you know, Johnny's on a swan. Johnny's, you know, rolling up a $20 bill. Johnny's doing this. Johnny's doing that. And, and Christian Kirksey... You know, we, he, he talked to me about that one day in the locker room. He was like, you know, you know, why do you write this kind of stuff? And why are you doing that? And, and I said, you know, well, first of all, you know, I have to. And second of all, I said, something's not right with Johnny. Okay. Johnny is in trouble. I said that to Christian Kirksey. I said, I, you know, I really think, you know, he's not in a good place. And I said, you know, maybe not that I'm trying to do good with this, but if we shine a light on some of the things that he is doing, maybe enough people will rally around him and try to help him and save him before it gets too late. Because some of these guys were in a life and death situation. Yep. So uh, that was the first thing. And then um, the next one was a Josh Gordon thing. Uh, okay. I wrote, I wrote uh, something about Josh Gordon was supposed to be completely 100% on the straight and narrow. And I had several sources tell me that he was you know, out in a bar again and, you know, whatever. And so I, I did feel that that was newsworthy because if he was had one foot on the banana peel and he was going to get suspended again yep. indefinitely, then that's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt the Cleveland Browns. It's going to hurt the team. It's going to hurt the fans. And so I did. I, you know, I wrote about that. And he did have, you know, he, he did question that. I think he called me out on Twitter about that. And so, you know, it was another one of those situations where we had to kind of talk it through. Uh, our... Um, you know, our, our missions were misaligned, shall we say, you know, his was to protect his teammates. Mine was to do my job and, and write what I needed to do from a news standpoint. But the good part about it is, is that we always were able to work through it. We worked through it and we remained, I don't want to say friends, that's probably not the right word. Uh, but we, we remained colleagues and we maintained a mutual respect for each other. And, I would think I just ran into him at the Super Bowl and, you know, and he gave me a hug and, yeah, you know, we talked awesome. and, and he was great. And, uh, and I would think that whenever he comes back to, you know, to training camp, like most of them all do, or they show up for different Browns functions or whatever, uh, we'll just fall right back into, you know, just the nice relationship that we've always had. Yeah. Mary Kay, I, I appreciate you taking the time to share those stories. Uh, I saw Joe Thomas today on, on Twitter call Christian Kirksey a Cleveland legend, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. So uh, it, it does sound like he'll he'll be back uh, in town at, at times. And 
really, it's been a theme on this podcast. You never know where our Life on the Beat segment's going to happen, but but there it was, Mary Kay Cabot revealing some behind the scenes on you know what it's what it's like being an NFL beat writer. The these conversations that that she has with players, they're tough, they're difficult. Uh, you're doing your job while they're trying to protect their family. I, I understand and see both sides, but the point of the story, as you said, was that things remain professional. Mm-hmm. You guys put your best foot forward rather yep. than the, the toxic world we live in on Twitter and yes. putting these walls up and enemies. You guys came together for better. That says a, a lot both about you and Christian Kirksey. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, you know what, and I and I think that's important. And I always try to do my job that way, uh, the best that I possibly can with character, honesty, integrity. Uh, I try to bring those things to the table uh, as often as I possibly can. And I try to talk things out. Now, I have found in the NFL, sometimes uh, people don't want to talk things out. You yep, know, like uh, <laughs> there are people that just don't want to do that. Yep. I don't want to say it's a gender thing, but, <laughs> but, Very well could I mean, be. but I mean, it could be. I mean, you know, I think maybe sometimes women are, you know, more about talking it through. Um, and, and again, I don't know. I don't want to be sexist in saying that. Maybe there are studies that say women talk more. I don't know. My husband would say that that <laughs> is 100% true. But, <laughs> oh, I hear you very okay. but, um, but, you know, I always think that it's best to, you know, to confront a situation and to try to work through it and solve it and then move on. Yep. And that's emotional intelligence right there. One guy who also probably has a high level of emotional intelligence, switching to topic number two, is J.C. Treader, the Browns offensive lineman who was named the president of the NFLPA. Treader was elected on Tuesday by the Board of Representatives. Uh, this comes at a pivotal moment because the new NFL collective bargaining agreement is going to be either approved or rejected over the weekend as players have till Saturday to vote. So Mary Kay, what I want to ask you first is what does this new new role mean for J.C. Treader going forward? And do you think it says anything about how the CBA vote will turn out? Well, you know, I, I think it's great that J.C. was elected president. I think he's someone that isn't going to be a polarizing figure. I don't think he's going going to take a really super strong stance either way on it. I think he's trying to point out the facts. I think he gained a a lot of respect from the membership when he put out an explanation saying, okay, now you have one side of the story. I'm going to show you the other side of the story. He has a degree from Cornell in industrial labor relations. He's incredibly smart. He said, since he's been elected, this you know this is what he's passionate about. This is what he wants to do with his life after football. Uh, so it's a great opportunity for him uh, to kind of bring the membership back together and guide them, navigate them through this very difficult time. We don't know how they're going to vote. Uh, interestingly enough, about a thousand of them have already voted. Yeah. Yep. So if a majority of them have already voted for it, then I mean I think it's it has a chance of passing, even though. Uh, players have grave concerns over this 10-year labor agreement and, and many of the things in it. Uh, but I think that, that J.C. Treader is a great choice for this. I think he'll calm the waters. I think he'll apply a lot of logic, reason, and knowledge to the situation. Yeah, Mary Kay, I, I agree with that. And one thing with this whole CBA thing that I find really interesting is it just seems very... NFL-like, for example, I read the other day that players, once a vote is submitted, they can't change it. Right. Um, I find that odd when you extend the deadline of voting, but Mm -hmm. then don't give an opportunity to change votes. I mean, it's very... you can tell who has the power in situations like that. Just right. that, that's that's how I, I read it and how I'll say it. Um, 
it seems like don't you get the sense players are pretty divided on this and it comes from probably uh an upper one percent if you will not to bring society uh terms into this but it, it seems like the star players um are against it and then the bulk of the league the, the minimum salary guys whose shelf life only is probably about two to four years in this league seem for it how it's probably a good thing that and the reason why this stuff happens now rather than when reporters have access to an open locker room to gauge how people feel mm -hmm. about this but if let's say the browns locker room was open right now do you feel like if you hopped around you'd find a, a pretty big divide even within the browns locker room and then we can put that over the whole nfl does do you get that sense that players are, are divided over this well i do but i also get this sense and i really got this after reading J.C. Treader's explanation and breakdown of the potential drawbacks, I think most players, if, if you really sat them down at a table and asked them to explain what they were voting on, might no, not have known all the nuances of the agreement. Yeah, that's disappointing, but I think you're right. But it's so true. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you can't really possibly understand the ramifications of all of these issues unless you really study a 456-page yeah. document. I mean, really study it and understand it. I can't remember who it was, but somebody had their lawyer break every single issue down for them. And I have to go back and look. You may have seen that. But somebody broke down all of the issues yeah. in a way that you can really understand. The Sports Illustrated piece. I mean, is that yeah, what it was? It I mean, who... Which which of these players were really going to sit right. down with a 456 page document, study it, and really understand it? There have been there have been so many times where I have tried to understand aspects of the current CBA. Yeah. Let me give you an example, like the drug policy, and everybody always says, "Oh, it's in the drug policy. Go read it." So I'll go back and read it, and then I'll read it again yeah. and read it again, and there are so many nuances to it that even when I'm done trying to make my brain understand what I just read, it can still be very, very difficult to grasp it and to understand exactly, okay, so how will this play out in reality? And I think that most players need some assistance from their lawyers, from the J.C. Treaders of the world right. who have taken the time to really break it down, a guy with an industrial labor relations degree, uh, you know, to really, ex you know, help explain it not just what you see at face value, but the ramifications of those issues that you would never have even thought about. So I think right. that's why some of these guys would like to change their vote because they are armed with some new knowledge that they didn't have before. And quite frankly, I think they should all be given a chance to vote over again. Yes. And maybe, who knows, maybe J.C. Treader will be able to fight for that. Because if they didn't understand certain things, I think they should have that chance. Yeah, I, th I think that's a good point. And it seems like J.C. Treader earned this position by not having a side in this fight yet. Right. He seems like a guy who is willing, able, and determined to bring two sides together rather right. than, you know, I'm a president who's for or I'm a president who is against. I want to talk quickly about what is in this new CBA. As Mary Kay mentioned, uh, <laughs> at first I, I started my Sunday reading J.C. Treader's breakdown, and then I found um, a Sports Illustrated writer, a former agent, I believe, Andrew Brandt. I hope I'm saying that, that right. name right. Mm -hmm. um, he went through and had a pretty detailed breakdown on Sports Illustrated. It's a long piece. Uh, I will give you my takeaways quickly and just paraphrase a lot of what he said. First, he thinks that 
the players aren't getting enough for that 17th game. Mm-hmm, right. And in addition to the 17th game, it could potentially be an 18 game schedule with the addition of the extra playoff game and right. eliminating the bye. So simply right there with not getting an extra bye week and not a gain in revenue. And even if there is a gain in revenue, it goes from like 48% to 48.5%. He just thinks flat, basically, that is not enough. Um, his next point was that the CBA is too long. This would be a 10-year agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made references like in 2006 when the players, and again, I was in sixth grade in 2006. Mm-hmm. Me too. There you go. I know. Okay. <laughs> Class was great back then, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but for his, from his uh, experience in the league at that time, the players actually had a better deal in that CBA in 06, but the owners had a early exit clause. So even though the CBA was like, I don't know, eight or 10 years long, there was a clause for the the owners to get out in year four, which they took, which is why the new CBA was founded in like 2011 or something like that. So he's saying that this 10 year agreement is too long. And of course the owners didn't propose an early opt out. Mm -hmm. Now, if they, if they do put an early opt out in, then maybe that'd be reason to accept this. One of the reasons for the early opt out would be because the NFL doesn't know, no one really knows how all this gambling revenue is going to play out. And Andrew Brandt continued saying the language, kind of to how you said about the drug testing policy, it's in there, but it's incredibly vague mm-hmm. and open for interpretation about how the revenue distribution with all these new gambling sites and just sports gambling being legalized in general is mm-hmm. going to play. So the early out would be for, okay, if we don't like the deal, we can get out in four years. And if the revenue completely changes, that gives a player an option. Um, he continued with being unequal partners, I guess, in 2006 and seven when it uh, the, the, the players actually had a 53% advantage over the owners back then um, to 53 to 47. They got that to 50-50, and now it's back to an advantage to the owners. So he says, why not just make it a 50-50 split, which that's, I know we're talking about percents and percents and a half here but each percent is mm. close to like five billion right. in revenue or something like that i know i'm going on here but i'm just going to keep going since we're on it um he wraps up with the owners really giving players soft incentives and what he means by soft incentives are st- stuff that doesn't come out of their sorry he calls it easy gives incentives that come out uh that the players will like, but doesn't take money out of the owner's pockets. For examples, we'll stay on the drug testing thing, reducing the drug testing into a two week window rather than four months and raising the threshold is something players would like. But again, that doesn't actually affect the owners. Some may ask why even test for marijuana at all. When you, when uh, we're at that point, another soft give would be, or easy give is reducing padded practices and things like that. That really is only a coach's problem. Uh, players obviously want less practices owners keeps money in their pocket and the coaches which was an interesting point in this whole story the coaches aren't represented in any of this Mm -hmm. so they just get they just see the new cba and have to deal with the ramifications Mm -hmm. which could very well and already has been less and less and less and less practice time which i found interesting there so the article goes on but for uh i've probably bored many of you and you guys have shut off your your podcast streams or skipped ahead but the point is the easy gives it, the the deal is too long with no opt outs for the players and there hasn't been enough compensation for the 17th and possibly 18th game. So Mary Kay, that's how I spent my Sunday learning about, <laughs> about the CBA um, and everything I just said, I, I hope the players are, are 
know that and much more. I mean, I, I read a probably a thousand, twelve hundred word story. I hope they are even deeper because you're right, Mary Kay. It seems like you need a law degree or at least a pre-law degree to get to the bottom of this. Um, we're probably grasping at straws here, but do you think, do you have any, are you sided either way? Do you think this thing passed? Where are we going to be at uh, Sunday when going into Monday with free agency opening up here? Well, first of all, wasn't it like warm and sunny on Sunday, Alice? Yeah, it was beautiful. What were you doing pouring over the CBA? I know. I'll tell you this. I was at first watch having a late breakfast brunch type thing. And <laughs> first brunch or first watch didn't even have their outdoor patio out. Aww. So I, that's where I read all this stuff. And okay. I didn't even get to do it outside. So <laughs> you're right, Mary Kay. I, okay. I, I got to be better this Sunday, all don't right. I? For, for, a 20, <laughs> for a 20 something, you should not be spending your whole entire Sunday on the CBA. But I command, commend you for doing so. I appreciate you're it. You're very conscientious. And uh, and I'm, I'm proud of you for doing that. This so. Sunday, no CBA talk. I'll, I'll, I'll treat myself. Maybe okay. a mimosa, okay? There you go. <laughs> Celebrate St. Patty's Day this Sunday. There we this go. Sunday. I'm going to have to do that in quarantine, it yeah, sounds like. No but parade, but no parade. I'm sure there will still be a few establishments open over the weekend. Yep. Um, um, should we move on from CBA, or do you want to... Well, just very quickly, I think they need um, I think they need to, to go back at this. I, yeah. I, don't, I think there are too many question marks. I think, especially as pointed out by J.C. Treader... There are still too many question marks. I I think that they need to give this another look. And I don't think that if they don't pass this in this vote, that that that's going to be the end. There will be a revised CBA, and there should be. Right. And to put a a bow on this, I I read today that uh, I guess Aaron Rodgers is pretty upset over all this. He sent out a detailed email to his teammates saying why it's not a good deal and – probably how many of us react in our, our work setting when we get an email thread and kind of pass it along. Uh, he didn't like the feedback he got because his teammates were essentially radio silent. The report said that players just didn't respond to him. So right. if you have guys passionate one way or another over this, it doesn't seem like you can pass something that has such divide, especially for a 10-year working window. So I think you're right, Mary Kay. This thing needs some more work, and we're, we're not done covering this by any means. Uh, switching to our... Third topic here, our last big topic. Um, we're going to play a little game, Mary Kay. I'm calling it In or Out. And for anyone listening who may get on Twitter and bash me or saying I stole this from Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell's Sunday podcast, uh, you're right. I did steal it. They do an In and Out segment, and now we're going to do it here. But w- w- whether you call it In or Out or Buy or Sell or Dope or Lame, whatever the title is, it's the same gimmick. So what I'm going to do, Mary Kay... I'm going to name an offensive lineman that is available either via trade or free agency and a way the Browns would have to go about acquiring that uh, offensive lineman. And you're going to tell me whether you're in and out. So let's start with a name we're familiar with, even though he's never been a Cleveland Brown. Washington's left tackle Trent Williams. The Browns would have to trade for Trent Williams and then extend him. Mary Kay, are you in or out on that? I am out on that. I just feel like it's a rich enough left tackle class that they can find their left tackle of the future at number 10 overall. Uh, I don't think that they need to give up uh, the compensation it would take to get Trent Williams, which I don't think it would take that 10. I think it would take a second and something else. Uh, But then you've got to turn around and make him uh, arguably probably the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. We know he's not happy right now where he's at. 
And I remember there's this little old uh, story that I always love where uh, this, these people move into an, uh, this small town and they stop in the general store and they ask the guy at the general store, will we be happy here? And he says, were you happy in the last place that you were? Wow. And, um, That's good. and so I always think of that. That's good. And, um, and so, you know, you just have to wonder right. uh, about that kind of thing. Now, he's got a lot of water under the bridge in, in Washington. Again, he does have Bill Callahan here, and I'm sure Bill Callahan really likes him. So the Browns have all the inside intel that they need. Uh, but, you know, he is 31. He's going to cost a lot. And I think that they can find their guy at number 10. Yep. Mary Kay, I agree with that. I am out also. All right. Browns sign 38-year-old left tackle Jason Peters, which will probably be a one- or two-year deal. In or out? I'm going to say in on this, and maybe not as the left tackle, but who knows? Maybe he could come in and play right tackle or be a swing guy, and I wouldn't do it for, you know, I wouldn't break the bank for it, uh, but I would absolutely uh, give him a a good, strong look as, you know, maybe he breaks in the new left tackle, okay? Maybe he comes in and he starts for a year or two, and then you have your whoever, Andrew Thomas. I'm always stuck on Andrew Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe then he slides in there after a year at the on the right side or something like that. So I'm going to say in. Yeah, Mary Kay, once again, I'm, I'm agreeing with you here. I'm in on it. Of course, the money needs to make sense. Well, off the top of your head, what was Greg Robinson making last year? Like 12? Was it that? No, no, no. It wasn't high? that much. It was okay. it was like in the six. Oh, he was range. that low. Okay, okay. Seven, you six, would, seven, somewhere okay. around there. You'd have to pay Peters a, a bit more than that. But if around the mm-hmm. 9, 10, or 11 range, that's right. not terrible for a year. Like you said, uh, plug him in at left, uh, whether it's Thomas you know, or a guy like Tristan Wirfs who could play right, uh, or even playing him at right tackle and having uh, your number 10 overall pick come in and play left tackle. I think, I think that one makes sense. Let's look at one more tackle here. In or out, Browns give a possible record-setting contract to Titans right tackle Josh Cochran. In or out on that one, Mary Kay? It's Jack, but that's oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> Jack. Yep, that is my producer who writes my notes must have messed that one up. Whoever does that, uh, I got to talk to them. That's okay. Just it's, kidding. I do all my own notes. That's my mistake. It, no, Jack, that's okay. Jack Cochran, Mary Kay, in it, or out. It's hard to remember all these uh, free agents coming uh, coming available. I hear you're only going to get crazier next week. Oh, it's going to be nuts. Um, I am going to say in on this all one. Right. I think... Uh, that you know, he had a great year last year. He was one of the top-rated tackles in the NFL. He's going to cost a ton of money, but the Browns have some money to burn right now, and yeah. if you're going to do it, you might as well try to protect and keep Baker May- Mayfield up right as much as you possibly can. He's your investment. He's your franchise guy. If they are going to help him become what he needs to be, you need to surround him with a good offensive line, good skill players. So I am in on Jack, not Josh Conklin. <laughs> Jack, not Josh Conklin. I think we got a new nickname here now. On the <laughs> Orange and Brown Talk podcast, if he ever does become a Brown. I, I think I agree with you once again here, Mary Kay. We started the show talking about linebackers, Joe Schobert, Christian Kirksey. I can see why the Browns didn't want to spend money there. But if you're going to break the bank or spend, you know, drop your, your biggest uh, stack on a group, I think it's offensive line. It makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Oak, the Oakland Raiders did it a couple of years ago, and though their success isn't where you'd want, they had solid offensive line play, and that's one of the hardest things to find in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So I think that one makes sense. We got one more here. The Browns giving a similar record-setting deal to Patriots guard Joe Tooney. Mary Kay, in or out? Once again, I am in on this. They have the money. They're going to have even more money. They cle- they just cleared $7.75 million in cap space 
uh, by letting go of Christian Kirksey. I think that they might end up clearing out some more cap space. I keep waiting for something to happen with Olivier Vernon. Yeah, yep, I don't point. know. I mean, I would be very, very surprised if he's back at $15.25 million. It's not guaranteed. Makes no That's sense. That's the highest salary on the team right now. Yep. It doesn't make sense to me. So I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know if they're trying to renegotiate it, restructure it, whatever. Uh, but I think they're going to have some more money. And I would give that money to Joe Tooney. Uh, then you shore up that whole right side of the line. You're super strong all across the board. That's what they need. So just to quickly rehash this, we were, I like this exercise. It just it made me realize we could see a Browns offensive line next year. We already expected to be retooled, but now that we're actually putting names and faces into these, these spots, we could see a new left or right tackle with the 10th overall pick, a one-year deal for a guy like Jason Peters, and then contract, big contracts for Jack Conklin and Joe Tooney. I mean, those are four solid offensive line options that all feel tangible and possible here in Cleveland. And I will say this. I think that Kevin Stefanski, look, anyone in football, especially I would say in coaching, knows the importance of a strong off- offensive line and a dominant defensive line. The game is as cliche as it is, truly is one there. I think some executives, some GMs get trigger happy and think, oh, well, if we just have, there's always that cliche, if we can just have average O-line play, we're going to be fine. I think Kevin Stefanski may have learned something this year in Minnesota, really his past two or three years in Minnesota. Um, for anyone that doesn't follow the Vikings or is unaware of the Vikings O-line situation the past couple of years, uh, they had some terrible options at offensive but specifically left tackles, similar to the, the Browns. I would say almost the Vikings situation was worse. Uh, they had Alex Boone there for a little bit. They had a bunch of guys, who, older guys who were getting hurt. Um, I think one of the longs had one last stand there mm-hmm. uh, in the upper 30s. And the Vikings really struggled. It didn't matter who they had back there at quarterback or what they were doing on the perimeter when your guys can't hold. They slowly worked on rebuilding that O-line and did over the past two years. But then this year... Kevin Stefanski, offensive coordinator, playing against the San Francisco 49ers and now his defensive coordinator, Joe Woods. You saw what the 49ers defensive line was able to do with the Vikings offensive line, and everyone in Cleveland knows what the 49ers defensive line did to the Browns Mm -hmm. offensive line. So Stefanski has had some tough years dealing with a poor offensive line and knows, I think, firsthand how important it is to invest in that group. And it really gets the sense that – that's where a lot of these assets this offseason are going to go, right, Mary Kay? Is that the sense yes, you're getting? Yes, that is absolutely it. And depending on how this shakes out, Ellis, it could line up uh, for a really great nickname because it could be a bunch of J's oh, all across I, the board. So, I mean, you could have Jack Conklin. You could have then Joe Tooney. Yep. You could have J.C. Treader. You could have Joel Batonio. Hey. <laughs> And then you get to left tackle, and you could end up with Josh Jones. That works. Right? That works. You could have Jedrick Wills, right? Yep, yep. So They could have five. the five J's. So you could have five J's there. and The J5. The J5, yes. The, there you go. Did we just do that here? I think we, we did. did. On the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I gotta, <laughs> do we, can we trademark something in here? we got to figure it out. Yeah, so you, know, you see all kinds yeah. of marketing possibilities here. <laughs> 
Jerry and Fires. Uh, and you know that they would be really really good. So I I think um, I think it's all lining up perfectly. And you need stuff like that, not for another Minnesota reference, but you guys are probably used to this now. But like the Purple People Eaters, you know what I mean? Yeah. When you got that group up front. The, the J5. I, I think we found something there, Mary Kay. Absolutely. So it seems like, of course, not a reality yet, but we'll find out soon with free agency next week and the draft right around the corner what's going to happen on this offensive line. We've been talking about it forever, and we probably will see some results here soon. All right, listeners, we're going to take a quick break and then come back with our Around the NFL segment and answer your submitted football insider questions. So don't go anywhere. Hey everybody, it's Dan. I want to tell you about Football Insider. It's our texting service. Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ellis Williams, me. We text you throughout the day. Browns breaking news, uh, analysis, the latest news, anything you want. And of course, it gives you an opportunity to interact directly uh, You know, with all of us. You can text. Uh, we see your texts. I'll text directly to you. It cuts through all the clutter of Twitter, Facebook, wherever else you could interact with us. This comes directly to us and we can talk directly to you. It's also the only way that you can get your questions on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Uh, if you listen to that and you want to be a part of that, you've got to sign up for Football Insider. And again, it's a, it's a great way to interact with all of us, and it's a unique way to interact with all of us that you can't get anyplace else. So why should you sign up? Everything I just said, but also you can get a 14-day free trial. So you can check it out, see if you like it, see if you like getting texts from us, ask your questions, get them answered. If you don't, you can cancel. I don't think you're going to want to, though, because it's only $3.99 a month. That's less than $0.14 cents a day. And you also get access to special events like our NFL Draft Preview on April 16th that will feature all of us. And again, the thing I like best, you can ask me a question. I can respond directly to you. Nobody else sees it. It's exclusive. It's personal. I think you'll love it. Give it a shot. All you have to do to sign up is go to cleveland.com slash browns. There's a banner at the top of the page or text me 216-208-3965. Again, to sign up, text 216-208-3965. Hello and welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I'm joined by Browns beat writer Mary Kay Cabot. Before we get into our football insider questions, we've got what I'm calling the quarterback carousel segment simply i'm going to name a quarterback and mary Kay and i are going to try and predict where they'll be signed in 2020 with free agency set to begin early next week this is our last chance to get our predictions out there in what really could be the most robust qb market in league history so first mary Kay, i need to get this out of the way drew Brees is technically on the free agent list but there's been plenty of reports that he's coming back to new orleans so i'm, I'm just getting a little sick of uh, twitter and people out here who when they talk about the quarterback for agency market, they, they seem to list Drew Brees. I guess technically you have to, but he's not available. So we go down the list, and it's someone we talked about last week. But let's start with Playa Tom Brady. It seems to be the theatrics are on full display now with Tom Brady. Again, as we said last week, he was at that Syracuse game and FaceTiming uh, the Titans coach, uh, Vrabel. And it seems really up in the air now. Mary Kay, if you had to pick right now, Where's Tom Brady playing next year? Well, that's a great question. When I was walking around talking to people at the NFL Combine, uh, several really smart people kept saying to me, he's going to be back with the Patriots. But maybe that's just because people cannot imagine him not with the Patriots. Uh, this is a tough one. This is a really, really tough one. For whatever reason right now, I'm going to say the Chargers. Okay. Just to shake it up. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense. They need a, they need a guy. Uh, People in L.A., it's not, by the sounds of it, don't even know there's a, a football team not named the Rams there or the USC Trojans. So uh, w one way to make a splash is by signing Tom Brady. Uh, again, sticking to what I said last week, I got to go Patriots. I just I can't imagine a world 
where Tom Brady isn't playing for New England and considering how 2020's been going, let's try and keep this the same, all right? Tom mm-hmm. Brady's a Patriot. Let's just let's just mm-hmm. have that momentum continue. Um, staying with the veterans quarterbacks, Phillip Rivers. He, of course, is not going back to the Chargers. So Mary Kay, where do you see him landing? Oh, gosh. And this is another tough one. And, boy, I think that this is the most intriguing free agency period that I can ever remember because of the quarterback carousel. That says a lot. It is going to be unbelievable to see how these dominoes fall. I'm going to put Philip Rivers in Indianapolis. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's a, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's a quarterback coach or offensive coordinator connection there with Philip Rivers in Indy. They, um, you know, one thing I, I think all everyone in NFL media and fans respect about Indy is they're not necessarily in a win now mode, but they have such a good roster and have for years because they're built um, from the top down with a smart uh, GM and president that they're ready to win whenever it comes together for them. And Philip Rivers being plugged in that situation would make a lot of sense. I'm going to go Tennessee Titans, however, and again, it's sort of what you just said that so many dominoes have to fall before Philip Rivers to Tennessee can even happen. First, Tom Brady has to choose somewhere other than Tennessee. Then the Titans need to decide whether they're bringing Ryan Tannehill back or not. Mm-hmm. And then that would open the door for Philip Rivers. So a lot of sliding doors need to happen for that one. But I think Philip Rivers in Tennessee makes a lot of sense. He stays in the AFC. That team's ready and just needs a guy like Philip Rivers and gives him one last chance at maybe a run or two in the playoffs. Next one, going younger, Teddy Bridgewater. He's started in Minnesota. Of course, the horrific knee injury, then spent one year with the New York Jets. And thank goodness he got to New Orleans where he was able to rebuild his career Stepped in for Drew Brees this year, I believe, won like four games, five games, something like that. Mm-hmm. And now it looks like he's ready to finally grab that starting spot. So, Mary Kay, where do you see a younger guy like Teddy Bridgewater going? You know what? I'm going to say Tampa right now. I know, of course, they would love to have Tom Brady, but I, I just don't know if they can pull that off. Um Tom, by the way, is, I read a story today uh, by Diana Rossini where he's actually making some demands and wants to have control over, not control over the entire roster, but he wants to have roster input Jeez. and uh, play calling input. So, wow. Uh, but she actually some reported. fascinating reporting there. Yeah, she actually reported that, that Bruce Arians would like hand that over to sure, him and say, of course. you've got it. Right. But um, short of that, I, I just don't, I just don't know that he's going to, that Tom's going to end up there. I'm going to put Teddy Bridgewater in Tampa. Okay. And, and that makes sense. Um, Tampa seems ready to move on to, from Jameis Winston, who we'll get to later. I, I can't figure this Teddy one out. Part of me says, just go back to the saints, but then that seems like they're breeding Taysom Hill to be the eventual replacement to Drew Brees rather than Teddy Bridgewater. So I, I really can't get a feel on this one. I, I know I'm not technically allowed to pass. So, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to say the Colts, but you know, he would, he fits there. He, he, I, I think he's an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett and that, that's a safe and healthy spot where he will have an opportunity to, to win some games and be the guy there next um, sort of like Drew Brees here, but not quite, I got to put Dak Prescott on the list. Mary Kay, you don't see a scenario where Dak Prescott isn't the Cowboys starting quarterback next no, year, No, right? I don't. I really don't see that. I mean, I, I think that they'll have something figured out soon, and if not, uh, you know, they'll franchise them and, and make sure that they can get that done. Yep, Dak Prescott seems ready and in a position to go down the Kirk Cousins line of just racking up the money via the franchise tag and then cashing in 
by then if they tag him for two years would probably be like 140 guaranteed at mm-hmm. like 42 million dollars a year Dak prescott uh, the poster boy for betting on yourself um, mm-hmm. for us millennials out there. Keep betting on yourself, mm-hmm. y'all. It works out. <laughs> All right, next one. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Titans quarterback, of course, started in Miami, then was the backup to Marcus Mariota last year, and then was one of the best quarterbacks in football, almost taking Tennessee to the Super Bowl. Ryan Tannehill, Mary Kay, where do you think he ends up? You know, I keep hearing that the Titans really would like to have him back. Uh, and obviously, like you said, he did such a great job for them last year. I think they can build on that. So I'm going to put him back with the Titans. I think that makes a lot of sense. However, I'm going to go with the Las Vegas Raiders. You catch that? I didn't call them the Oakland Raiders. The Las <laughs> Good Vegas job. Raiders. It's like I, I prep for the show unless it's uh, the, the Cochran guy. But uh, <laughs> um, look, Ryan Tannehill to the Raiders – Makes sense to me because from what I've been reading about Oakland and really just the coverage of John Gruden, what frustrated Gruden with Derek Carr last year is he could never make a play after the initial play. Now, the the best in the world at this right now is Patrick Mahomes. That guy is going to make plays on his, on, the, on his feet. Like you saw that rushing touchdown, I think, against uh, was Houston. Um, in the, or was that the Tennessee game? I don't know. One of the two playoff games, he had that amazing mm-hmm. r- rushing touchdown before the end of the, the, sec- the first half. And then... He's extending plays, uh, boots right, and then guys go deeper, come back to the football, and it's a first down or, or, or a touchdown. You're not going to find that with Ryan Tannehill, but what Tannehill can do and did plenty of in Tennessee's run there was extend plays with his feet, get out of the pocket, make things happen. And I think Gruden just likes accumulating quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? He just He's yeah. a, a obsessed with the position, wants as much talent in that room as possible, and he wants to see these guys duke it out and who can be the, the best. I mean, watching Hard Knocks last year just – him raving about his quarterback room. He was so mm-hmm. excited with everyone who was there. Um, and it obviously wasn't that great of a room. So I think Tannehill to the Raiders could be a, a market for him if the Tennessee thing doesn't work out. All right, Mary Kay, one last one. Jameis Winston. This has been a tough one. He, of course, with the infamous 30 for 30, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks, threw for like 5,000 yards this year. It seems to have all the talent in the world but cannot get out of his own way with the turnovers. His time in Tampa seems up. Where do you think he ends up, Mary Kay? You know, that's a really good question. I struggle with this, too. I I really don't know uh, where he is going to end up at this point because, uh, you know, Bruce Arians is so good with quarterbacks. If you're going to throw 30 interceptions with Bruce Arians as your quarterback's coach, uh, then you've got some definite kinks to work out somewhere along the line. Uh, So I I really don't, don't know. He might be... One of these guys that um, with, when the music stops, that he doesn't have a chair for a starting job. So right now, I'm going to predict that he's not going to have a starting role when all is said and done. Yeah, I think that, I think that makes sense, even though it, 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 if there's Winston fans out there, that's got to be tough for he, to hear. But he's kind of played himself into the Marcus Mariota boat a little bit and it's fitting they both were the uh, number one picks one and two and what would have that been 2014 or 15 something like that and um took a few a few years but their time's up and much like teddy bridgewater obviously for different reasons but i think winston like you said needs to find a, a safe backup role where he can just reinvent himself for a couple of years and if he gets an opportunity to show he's ready to take over a team look quarterbacks are playing into their late 30s now and he could see a big payday He's only 26, and he rejuvenates himself in 28, 29. He signs a big contract at 29 or 30. 
his career is far from over, but you're right. I, I don't see a starting spot for him. So that is our QB carousel, giving you a rundown of where we think the quarterbacks are going. Mary Kay's got one more thing to add here. Go for it. Well, while we are talking about the quarterback carousel, yeah, yeah. the Browns, of course, are going to end up with yes. a new backup quarterback. Yep. So some of these guys maybe that don't end up with a starting job will be candidates to, to land in Cleveland. So we got to keep an eye on guys like Marcus Mariota right. and guys like that. Uh, but I've been saying all along, I still think Case Keenum is the right man for the job. And it'll be interesting to find out starting March 16th if he is Baker Mayfield's backup. Yep. that And Mary Kay, you've been on that from the start with the, the Case Keenum fit in Cleveland. Again, I, th- I think that makes a lot of sense, not only for where Case Keenum is at in his career, but of course how you've mentioned his connection to Kevin Stefanski and what they were able to accomplish in Minnesota. It seems like the, the, the fit that wouldn't bring in a controversy, but would also have a reliable backup in the case anything happened. Mm-hmm. So again, that's the end of our QB carousel segment. We're going to jump in here to our football insider questions that you submit via being subscribed to football insider. We appreciate all your submissions. We've got five quick rapid fire questions for you. If you submitted a question, I got it here on the podcast. So the first one quickly from two one six asks from what i could tell i think treader is not in favor of the new cba so i fear there's trouble ahead in the form of a strike how are you reading into the situation again some of these stuff we touched on on the top of the podcast but i wanted to get everyone's questions in so bringing up the case of a strike is interesting mary Kay, anything further to add on the situation in in when you hear a word like a strike that that is um, a serious matter Well, my gut tells me that if J.C. Treader wanted people to vote for this CBA, he would not have pointed out all the potential drawbacks in it and give people pause. He would have just remained silent on that. So my guess is that he's really not for it, uh, but I don't necessarily think that that will ultimately result in a strike. Uh, I think it might mean going back to the negotiating table and coming up with a better CBA that they can vote on. Yeah, I think we're a long ways away from a strike, but you're onto something with JC not saying whether he was for or against it. This next one from Herschel in Portwash, New York, I believe, asking, do we have enough info on Taki Taki to think he can be the middle linebacker of the future for Cleveland? If not him, then who? Well, that's a good question, and I don't think we have enough knowledge about that. We have not seen him play enough, and the fact that he didn't play very much last year I think is at least of mild concern. Not everybody steps in as a rookie and and plays lights out and starts 16 games. I understand that. Uh, Sometimes it takes time time to develop a guy. Uh, But I think the fact that the people that drafted him are gone Uh, he's really going to have to prove himself. He's got to prove himself to Joe Woods, the new defensive coordinator, and this new regime uh, that they don't need to go out and upgrade. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I I don't think it's it's just a bad sign that he wasn't able to get on the field last year, considering Mm -hmm. the Browns' defensive situations. I mean, they were one of the worst defenses in the league. They could not stop the run, yet he did not really sniff the field at all. So not a good sign, but look, one offseason can change a player's career. A new coaching staff can breathe new life. You, you never know. You don't want. You can't throw in the towel on this young player at all, but it really does remain to be seen. Um, next one from the 567. Again, st- sticking with the linebackers, asking, do we sign some linebackers in free agency? Now, when asking that, I can refer to a story our colleague Dan Lobby wrote earlier this week breaking down the Browns options at linebacker if they spend you know a lot a little or not that much 
Um, at the top of Dan's list was Corey Littleton of the Rams. He's a, a name who's a free agent who the Browns could possibly bring in. He made $4 million last year, but it seems he's in that Schobert camp where he'll want $10, $11, 12000000 next year looking for his first big contract. Shaq Barrett of the Buccaneers is in a similar situation, only made a million dollars last year, projected to be one of the top linebackers paid in the league at $16.5 million next year. Dante Fowler, another Ram, and now I'm just going to start listing these guys. Of course, Schobert comes in in medium demand. Kyle Van Noy of the Patriots, um, and even Bud Dupree of the Steelers. Uh, Blake Martinez of the Packers makes some sense too. But Mary Kay, as I keep going, this list seems to be consistent with guys wanting eight, nine, ten million dollars mm-hmm. on the linebacking market. I wrote a, a little bit about this in my this week in the Browns. I, do you see the Browns not paying? Do you see the Browns letting go of Joe Schobert because they don't want to pay him d- double digit millions, only to turn around and pay a linebacker, a different linebacker, double digit millions? Again, anything's possible, but does that feel plausible to you? I, I guess is how I'll set that one up. Only if it's a scheme fit. I mean, if it's okay. a scheme fit and if it's a talent fit, and you see someone something in another free agent linebacker uh, that that you liked better for your particular defense than you felt about Joe Schobert then I think they would pay that kind of money. Sure. So I think it depends on, uh, you know, did Joe Woods see somebody amongst these players, uh, somebody that he liked? Did Does Andrew Barry see something that he likes better? Uh, maybe somebody's, you know, whatever. Um, outside, inside. Yeah, you know. I, so, I hear you. So I think it's possible. Yep, yep. And I, I think that makes sense. And look, it's going to be interesting if they sign a linebacker for $11 million a year. Uh, people will probably look into that saying, oh, this – the Browns thought this guy was a lot better player than Joe Schobert. Mary Kay's 100% accurate there. These players are signed by f- smart front offices because of scheme and fit, not necessarily because who's better in a mm-hmm. vacuum. That's not how talent evaluation works for good NFL teams. All right, from Harvey asking, do you think the Browns may go after Isaiah Simmons? So Isaiah Simmons, linebacker prospect out of Clemson, was considered like a top 15 prospect, and then he went to the combine and ran a 4-3-9-40, wild with his vertical, his broad jump, all that stuff. Uh, really is a Swiss Army knife of a defensive player, can play linebacker, safety, corner, whatever. I was pounding the table for Isaiah Simmons at, at, at 10. If he dropped, now I don't really see that possible, which would mean the Browns would have to like trade up for him, which seems like aggressive which Andrew Barry has talked about but Dan Lobby labeled as opportunistic it doesn't seem that opportunistic to pay up for a, a stud defensive player though he is a stud Mary Kay after Simmons and how he performed now with that top five pick projection do you think the Browns chances on him have kind of sailed probably but boy after watching the workout after talking to him after reading about him studying up on him they really need a player like him. Couldn't agree more. They really do. And therefore, if there were some way that you could solve your left tackle problem and still end up with Isaiah Simmons, boy, would that be knocking it out of the park over the next month and a half or so? Yep. So uh, I, I don't think they should rule it out. I think they should uh, see if there's any way that they can uh, achieve both things, however that could possibly happen. Uh, maybe it happens through trades. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but if they could somehow land in Isaiah Simmons, uh, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Their defense needs that guy. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's going to be tough. They're, they would need somehow to acquire two first-round picks and two higher first-round picks, quite frankly. But I will say this. You never know if there's a run of quarterbacks or receivers. I mean, if we see five quarterbacks go in the top 15 picks or something, you just never know how mm-hmm. these guys might fall. The, the tackles might start dropping, which then the Browns can move from, I don't know, 10 to 7 and get Simmons and then move back to 23 and get Andrew Thomas. I don't know. I'm just throwing out numbers, but for how much draft network stuff I've mock draft stuff I've done, there are scenarios where that works. Again, it will take the Browns being aggressive. We've got one more here from Dave in Waterville, Ohio, asking Mary Kay and Ellis, do you have any concerns that the premier free agents will avoid signing with the Browns due to prior stigmas associated with the team, such as locker room drama, the me first personas and misconceptions about analytics running the show? Mary Kay, you've got a lot of experience with this, with the Browns locker room and them trying to handle free agency and whatnot. Both in your experience, do you think that's hurt? The Browns bringing in talent, and then specifically this year, do you think their reputation could hinder them in doing the same? Well, money always talks. So if you're going to throw a lot of money at someone, that helps. But uh, I think that if all things being equal, the Browns still have to prove themselves to potential free agents. They have not won. And no matter what they try to do, uh, they always seem to blow up the next regime and the next regime. And players obviously notice that. Uh, And also, Cleveland is not South Beach, right? Very Uh, true. You know, it's not Vegas, it's not L.A., it's not New York. So, you know, they have that working against them as well. So, yes, I do think it's a factor. Until they start winning on a consistent basis, I think that that free agents will think twice about coming here. Yep. And once again, I think that's accurate. It's a bit of an NBA-type question, like, oh, Cleveland over the Los Angeles Lakers. But, again, these are professional athletes who have – flexible options and when it comes to where they can play uh, living and then of course reputation of a team in a locker room matter a lot that's all we got for football insider questions we appreciate you guys submitting those uh, before we get out of here mary Kay, anything i may have missed anything you want to add or should we go uh, handle the rest of our business on this wednesday with videos and all the other good stuff we got going on well we're gonna, going to do that but i mean just everyone brace yourselves yeah. because it all gets rolling on monday march 16th when the legal tampering period opens up. I, I for one, cannot wait uh, to see what Andrew Barry has up his sleeve in his first, uh, in his first flurry of free agent frenzy as GM of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, after a quiet week or so there, the NFL is coming right back strong, and the Browns are going to be active in free agency for many reasons, I'm sure. So for myself and Mary Kay Cabot, I'm signing off for the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Thanks for listening, y'all, and stay safe.